This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Welcome to the podcast Sacreds of the North, a podcast about true crime in Northern BC, recorded on the traditional and unceded territory of the Dunezaw peoples. I'm your host, Emily Gallen. And I'm your co-host, Janelle Lapushinsky. Our podcast may contain mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Janelle, we're back. Hi. It's the 13th. It's the 13th. Monday the 13th. Well, happy long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. When it is. It'll be lovely. A beautiful weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's who knows what's going to be going on. Then. I don't like to get excited about like Remembrance Day. I mean, it seems a little off brand, but I also do like a day off work. Right. Who doesn't love a day off work? My um, one of my best friends is her birthday is Remembrance Day. Mm. So I do love that day for her. I love that day for Justice, her. Justice. Love you. I well, I guess I love it for my husband. He he is a veteran. So he goes yeah, and he great. gets yeah, he smashed at the Legion. Love it. Every Remembrance Day. That sounds like fun. Yeah, he gets free drink tickets. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Actually, and, AKA, I also get free drink tickets. Oh. They'll figure it out soon. Ah. Um, well, any updates on your end, Janelle? Nothing crazy, you know. Okay. Okay. No, nothing really Nothing going in on. your butt? No. No. It's pretty, it's pretty clean right now. Okay, excellent. I like that. Um, I was thinking, actually, I was wondering, hoping you would come grave searching with me maybe next week before the snow starts to pile up. 100%. Okay. On our Facebook post a long time ago, you had reached out to people asking for some spooky stories. And then someone said there were two graves along the beaten river. Yes. Yeah. So apparently they're past the bridges on the right hand side across the river, which that doesn't actually make sense to me if I'm driving there. Um, but I'm like, are they across the river or across from the river? But right. I, I, I feel think, like we'll just go. Yeah, we'll go take a look. <laughs> I feel like I remember him mentioning something as well, that it was like off of the cactus trails, which yes. that would be across from the river. Yes, that would be. So that would be pretty easy for us to kind of try and navigate. Let's do it. How many random graves are there around here? Oh my, there has to be hundreds. Yeah, and if especially you- on earth. Like just think about oh, everywhere. No. There are just bodies below us bodies below us that's weird man hey it's the truth i love it though it's the truth i think there's a tiny little cemetery in town where there used to be an old church um that they got rid of but they kept the little cemetery and so everyone's like why are these like 10 graves here oh i've never seen that yeah oh oh my gosh okay well check that out yeah i've only ever seen like the larger one by the catholic church Oh, no, no. Oh, let me let me take you to some cemeteries, my friend. There's a few tiny ones outside of town, um, like the Montneys, the Rose Prairies, Cecil Lake, etc. Yeah, I would assume nothing less. Yeah. And like I probably have told you or you've known, I went searching for um, the Babchucks, right? So listeners, if you don't remember, we did a case of 1930s on uh, I think Annie and Joseph Babchuck murdered in Cecil Lake. And I went looking for their graves and still we have not found them. And now it's winter. So now I must wait again until summer. Hopefully 2024. Yeah, that's the year. I'm going to find them. Like how how cool would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing it. Um. Well, then let me just take you on down to Missing Persons Corner and I don't have any. That's... I don't know why I'm Western now. <laughs> 
Western folk. That's, I mean, that's a positive. We always love yeah. not having someone yeah. missing. Yeah. But uh, you know what I do have? Wanted people. <gasps> ba da da. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm going to be covering robberies in the North today. So I thought it would be fitting to do wanted people instead of missing people because we don't have any. So actually last summer, uh, three youngsters broke into Canna Cabana, a local cannabis store located on 100th Street in Fort St. John on August 15th, 2023. The RCMP are seeking anyone who knows more information about the crime or who the individuals are. I'll post some photos on Instagram for the listeners and um, I've become the narc officially. So if you have more information about this incident, you're asked to contact Fort St. John RCMP 250-787-8100. And if you want to remain shmishmonymous, please call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. Just the tips. To submit a tip. <laughs> I saw the photo of these the little kids. youngsters and like they are very recognizable oh, in that photo. Like if their clear. parents see she it. Clear. Oh, the redhead. Oh, exactly. Come on. Come like, on. You know who that kid is. You That when there's a f- beautiful, blessed ginger. Yes. God, God's given gift to them. Um, you know who it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the other two. Actually, one of them like does look familiar. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, a yeah. small town. Yeah, I'm it not is what it is. Yeah. I'm just. This is my part. I'm doing my part right now. Mm-hmm. Narking slowly. Yeah, like for people who don't even live here. So um, there's actually also another wanted couple. Uh, apparently, in July of 2023, a couple entered. Uh, well. I shouldn't say a couple. I don't know if they're together. Two bandits. A man and a woman. They entered Canadian Tire and filled up a tote with some goods. And then they just took off. They cruised. The woman fled in a white GMC Jimmy bearing the BC license plate CC3554 while the man was seen leaving in a U-Haul vehicle. Dun, dun, dun. Man. I mean... How, okay, what do you think about stealing from the man? Stealing from the man? Yeah, the man. I mean, who is the man? Stealing from big corporations. Stealing from big corporations don't hurt nobody, okay. in my opinion. But I don't know the stats. I also don't, exactly. I don't really know what the impact is of theft. I don't really know what the impact is of shrink. I have worked in certain, like I used to work for shoppers. Okay. Um, and like we had a certain like excess put away that like cushioned the company for shrink yeah you know they I mean? kind of accept we had a lot of high they theft. know what's happening like they knew it was going to happen so it was just kind of like an expectation that like this much is what we were going to lose um but i just yeah i don't really know and like honestly if you see somebody stealing food no you didn't right because if you're stealing food you probably you need it you need some food yeah, right so like, yeah exactly you see someone stealing food you fucking did not and yeah, dead not. And you know, <laughs> I uh, I may have in the past, in my younger years, um, put the code in for the sour dinosaurs for other items. Nine six one. Uh oh, I'm in. I just narked myself out. Uh oh, Jesus shit. And everyone's everyone's zooming in when they you go to the, your save on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Would... They're gonna know me now, and now they're just gonna watch me, and I'm gonna feel targeted because I did it to myself. Rude. Ugh, okay. Well, let's just um, get away from narc corner, I guess. That's what I'm trying to call it. And uh, let me take you to some... You know what? I'm just going to call my segment Crime Corner now. Sounds good. So yeah, I'm going to take over Crime Corner and um, toss out the sad cases for this one and toss in a little robbery. Because who doesn't love a little robbery? Mm -hmm. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Good stories. Good stories. Excellent. 
first off, I would like to remind you and the listeners, this is very off topic, it's going to seem like, but I'll get to it. I want to remind everyone that St. John's Newfoundland is not the same as Fort St. John, okay? Um, (laughs) So what happened was when I was researching for this case, I found like a really amazing story online and I'm digging into it and it's getting juicy and I'm like balls deep, right? Loving it. Realize it was in St. John's Newfoundland and it was not Fort St. John. And then I just wasted all my time and not happy about it. I'm not the only one to do this. No, um, I don't doubt it. No. And there was a uh, fine young woman named Amy. Uh, shout out, Amy. Uh, she came from Australia. Apparently, she flew to Fort St. John by mistake. She was going to a music festival. No. I, I could be saying this wrong, but from my recollection, she was going to a music festival, came to Fort St. John, ended up staying here, moving. She got married um, to someone here and moved here she's now in montreal but crazy yeah Uh, just a story of the fort st john fate apparently in is it austria or australia they have a specific counter at the airport designated for people who flew to the wrong country wow yeah because like it 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 just happens it happens you know that's cool for everyone yeah it totally happens i actually just recently heard of uh another true crime story but where the girl, she was from overseas, she was from mm-hmm. the Ukraine, she flew mm-hmm. to meet this mystery man she met online, and he lived in Portland, Oregon, yeah, and she just... flew to Portland, Maine, and he oh. was like, that is on the other side of the country from me, but like, he never specified what state he was in, and like, there's multiple Portlands, you're from out of the country. Did she get murdered? I actually don't remember. Okay, if we'll it was to... her or him. We'll need to get into this, or maybe she escaped. Something like that. I like just, she, I just she went to the that. Could you imagine? Was so funny. You find out a guy that you're going to meet a serial killer, and you only didn't see him because you bought the wrong plane ticket to the wrong right. country. You're I, wrong. Um, I do state. feel that um, she ended up being murdered by him. I think that when she met him, like he wasn't what that. he was supposed to look like, and all those types of things. But I, I feel bad. I don't 100 percent remember all of those facts. But. Just. You know, moral of the story, don't go online. Don't date. Moral of the story, don't date men. Don't date men. <laughs> yeah, men. Uh, okay. Uh, Janelle, I'm going to tell you a tale or two of the five-fingered bandits of the North, okay? Fort St. John is no stranger to theft. According to Criminal Statistics Canada, police received 1,987 property crime-related calls just last year. This number is up from the 1,852 property crime-related calls that the detachment received in 2021, but it's still low compared to 2019 when we had over 2,000 calls. Some local Dawson Creek, BC community members don't feel like the RCMP are taking the property theft seriously, so they decided to start their own vigilante group. Mm -hmm. Oh! So I won't get too much into it, but here's a little information to wet your whistle. According to the Energetic News, during a town council meeting, a vigilante group raised their concerns with the council regarding the increasing crime rates in Dawson Creek. Led by Doug Scott, the Citizens Take Action organization delivered a letter to the council detailing their firsthand experiences with the surge of thefts and their efforts to address the situation. The predominant issues of the group that they were facing were related to vehicle thefts and mitigating other criminal activities. So their letter... Uh, In their letter, the group also voiced criticism about the perceived inadequate response from the local RCMP, expressing their loss of confidence in the detachment. Although they expressed a willingness to cooperate with the local RCMP to combat crime, the group felt that the RCMP lacked empathy towards their concerns. The letter included four specific instances involving interactions between the group and the local RCMP. 
Furthermore, the group urged the council to consider allocating additional funds to the Dawson Creek RCMP, believing that the RCMP unit was facing resource shortages. They even suggested reallocating funds from the local firefighters to support the RCMP. What? <laughs> I'm sure the firefighters love that. Uh, interesting take. What do you think about vigilante groups? They're definitely like a double-edged sword. Yeah. I think that like the idea of being a vigilante is like so cool and romanticized. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, taking justice into your own hands can be so dangerous when you don't have all the old facts and you're just assuming. You know what happens when you assume. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just... It's, I don't stuff ends up in your butt. Yeah. Always a hundred percent of the time. And I just don't think that at the end of the day, I don't think that vigilante work is as positive as it could be as well. Because I also think that when you get a group of people together, even when you want to have a like-minded idea and want to be together, there's always going to be someone who wants to take it that next step further mm -hmm. or just be a little more kooky. Yeah. And how are we all aligning on our values and opinions? And then if we have someone else, right, who wants to get a little bit more aggressive. Exactly. Like where do you draw the line? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, do you remember the Crime Stoppers when we were kids or when I was a kid? They used to have those, um, then like the neighborhood watch, like safe house signs. And yes. I yeah. remember having those houses in my area. And I remember being like, I would never go to that house if it, I was in trouble. What, like, it's like, come here, children. Yeah. Come pet my I, raccoons. I just genuinely remember being like, no. I'm pretty sure my parents probably had one in their house. We had one, I think, at my Nobody came. my house as well. But I was like, we're the actual safe ones. <laughs> <laughs> Try, you can trust us, kids. You can trust, you can trust us. Trust us with you. Okay, uh, let me tell you about a smashing robbery that happened about 10 years ago. The Vancouver Sun outlines a wild robbery that occurred on November 5th, 2013 in Fort St. John. Oh my God, it's November, f no, 11th today. What's it? F third? Oh. Oh, two days away from the 10-year anniversary. <sighs> wow. Okay. I knew this was special. Okay. Yeah, meant to be. I very much remember this happening. And if the Vancouver Sun was covering it from our small town, you know it kind of made some headlines, right? So the assailants used a truck to continually ram into the Fort St. John's Totem Mall doors. Apparently, it was estimated 40 thousand dollars in damage and can you just picture these people <laughs> with a jacked up truck just boom and then backing up and <laughs> boom and backing up um well janelle you might ask why some hooligans wanted to get into this northern mall well bling bling money ain't a thing okay the mall had a jewelry store in it, it still does uh it was at the same entrance that they rammed and this store was called and still it's called, I yeah, believe, Michael, Michael So, so Jewelers. Mm -hmm. Do you know why it's called Michael So? I don't. Is that the name? I, I actually did assume that possibly it was his name. I, I was actually so. in there today. Oh, what? I, yeah, I picked up a ring today that I had resized. Like, I was in there an hour ago. Talked to him and everything. I, I mean, asked. you should have had... I mean, you're going to go back. You got to go back. <laughs> I'm going to have to get some more information. I want to know more about what happened. Um... According to the Alaska Highway News, RCMP say video surveillance shows three men pillaging through several display cases, stealing an undisclosed amount of jewelry before fleeing. They, so rude. Yeah, rude, rude. See, this is when, um, you know, you are screwing the man, right? This, this is, is, and this is small when, business exactly, store. Exactly. Don't, 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 not Michael So. No, and they're local. I'm they pretty are. sure I went to school with their kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the RCMP did catch the assailants, and they say that the public did play a role in the apprehension. 
Their names were Mitchell Jeff, Roger Davis, and Tammy Trotter. All three were charged with possession of stolen property, while charges against Jeff and Davis included theft of a motor vehicle, break and enter, and mischief as well. So the truck wasn't even theirs? No, the truck was actually stolen. Yeah, they found that out later. Dang. Yeah. Uh, I checked the names on Facebook, and it appeared to me that Tammy Trotter and Roger Davis are engaged, or were as of, I, I want to say it was 2006. Oh, I can't remember the date, but I just looked again today and it did have it there. The Bandits in love. I mean, real Bonnie and Clyde situation. Yeah, I was just about to say real Bonnie and Clyde. Maybe he was stealing that engagement ring. Oh, oh <laughs> blast. But I was also researching the name like, Tammy Trotter and a missing persons case came up, but not the same person. They, they look very different. Um, okay. That's a lot of Tammy Trotters. I feel like Tammy is a very common name. I actually Especially if you're like heard, in your forties, yes. Like uh, there's a certain yeah. generation that the Tammies were a oh, lot. Oh, the Tammies. Yeah, Dang. Tammies and Crystals. Oh. <laughs> crystals with a C or K. I want to say C. I want to say the back C in the day was like more the seventies, eighties. Yeah, I had a friend whose mom's name was Crystal, and it was Gross. Crystal with a C. Nice. Mm. I love that for her. As of an article in 2016, the three had been let out pending a trial date, and none convicted of the charges. And to note, Tammy was only, like I said before, only being charged with possession of stolen goods in the most current article I read. Uh, I, I couldn't find any updates today. I looked. I don't know what's happening, where... Where anyone, where anybody is. Yeah. So you know what? But I bet you, Michael so knows. Yeah. Remember? People don't forget. No. Never forget. No. Never surrender. <laughs> okay. And you know what? It wasn't the first time that that mall was um, broken into. Uh Earlier in that week, someone had rammed a truck into a different entrance and made away with $19,000 of merchandise. It was the season. Dang. I don't know if it was the same people, but yeah. I mean, they look at they're like, well, they did it. The thing. So we can do it. The thing with how our mall is as well is it kind of makes sense how the doors are laid out because you have those glass doors that you could just yes. drive through the yes. whole that is such a horrible setup for that. <laughs> I can't wait to put the pictures on the Instagram. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got another one for you. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to a bank robbery. Ooh, the scariest of them all, and the yeah. classic of them all. I felt like it's when I was younger, I expected so many more bank robberies to happen. Not like they used to. No, they're just hey, not robbing give me all the money, bad cat. <laughs> I got a gun. <laughs> they're not just uh, happening like they used to, and I'm really sad about that. <laughs> So according to the Alaska Highway News, on September 23rd, 2016, at about 4.30 p.m., and I quote, Fort St. John RCMP received a report that an armed robbery had occurred at the Scotia Bank. At first, the public was given limited information outlining the event. Apparently, a lone man had entered the bank, produced a weapon, and left on foot with an undisclosed amount of money. The public was told to look out for a suspect who was about 5'5 five, five to 5'8 inches tall, and of an unknown descent. He was wearing a bandana over his face, a black jacket, black hat, and sunglasses. Not even five months had passed before the same bank got hit again. This is, we have a tale, tale of twos, the twosies today. 
Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when this happened? I I don't. I actually I only moved to the community in 2021. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, not super familiar with this. I had heard of the drive-through mall before. Like I I worked at the Pet Value, so okay. so people were like, hey, someone drove through the mall one time, but I never really knew the full circumstances of it. They so literally it really, drove. Yeah. The mall. It, it, they. Yeah. I didn't really. I thought it was just like an accident. Like someone had like maybe driven into the mall, but that's no. crazy. So yeah, no, I'm all new for me, all new knowledge. Well, according to the Grand Prairie News, the RCMP said he ran out the back door and down the alley. He was seen running past a local shelter and may have gotten into a small black SUV looking vehicle. So if you're from the area, we know that Scotiabank's right downtown. It's on the corner. And then right behind it, we've got the Salvation Army, um, yeah. the residents there, right? They've got the, yeah, the they have their, like, their shelter and, stuff and there. yeah, uh, third stage housing. So that's kind of the area. I know exactly the alley that he ran down. Um, you know, this bank brand's not having a good go. Just last year, the Scotiabank in Chetwin, BC got robbed. And they ended up um, arresting a 44-year-old named Kylie Landon. It's cursed. They're cursed. Yeah. No, no fun at Scotia. No. Yeah. I bank yeah. a TD. Yeah. Going to Scotia I, I bank now. a TD too. Jeez. I, uh, I, my, I, we were with Scotia when I was a child, but I have my, um, mortgage with Scotia. <laughs> well, maybe that, and to be honest, they mess something up every year for taxes. <laughs> Woof. Uh, do you think that the people working there that day during the robbery, do you think they get any sort of settlement for being exposed to that a workplace i'm not too sure i actually my niece this last year um was held at gunpoint at her work in calgary um and a bank i believe that she worked at the time for like a like a telus or like some sort of um because she works for telus now um but i or i think sorry taylor if i'm wrong um but she's spreading that lie yeah Taylor works for TELUS. Taylor works for TELUS. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody. Um, Read about it. But I, I'm not 100% sure if it was TELUS that she was working for when it happened, but it was in the Chinook Mall, I believe, and the whole um, the whole place was held up at gunpoint. We're really on theme here today. Malls. Yeah. And um, I, I know she was had some time off. Yeah. Um, and I believe the time off that she got was paid, but I think that she wanted like more supports from them and wasn't receiving that so i think mm. that's actually why she left it is with telus now but yep. i could be so off left field on that no it's um it's just a private conversation we're having between the two of us she's never gonna find out so i'm just gonna <laughs> tell everybody that um yeah we just finished saying that robberies like bank robberies don't happen like they used to well apparently in fort st john they do because that was like three back to back yeah and i mean and hitting it up again the next week like that's just silly i, I mean that hey almost you know it always happens like oh like when it's actually very common when a robbery is hit and somebody recognizes how easy it was yeah they will try to go back like i used to work in a mall in lloydminster okay and there was a robbery someone broke into the mall one night okay yeah again and there was um oh rats what's it called not a booster juice uh jugo juice no orange julius ah yeah and a dq split they had that in the mall similar to the one that we have in our mall right so somebody broke in from the door in the mall broke into like the exterior they jumped the counter of the orange julius and the cash box was just there unlocked so he just took all the money 
and there was a like the people who worked at orange julius someone got in trouble the next day yes um i don't think they got let go right away Ooh. but like they were definitely in a lot of shit for not locking up their money and just having it out yeah. in the open you two think nights it... later though that oh. same person broke in because they figured out how to open the mall doors they broke in but Did... orange julius still had their money Jesus. unlocked two days later so you know what your own fault it boggles my mind because i would think just naturally right after robbery you would be like okay this is what went wrong and enhance those things like as soon as possible but maybe those things just take a lot of time and so maybe it's kind of good to just get them back to back because then they haven't had enough time to like change over things people are still yeah. a little shaken up maybe 100 percent. but like how can you be robbed two days prior and not lock your cash box still like that's so silly that and i like i was a manager at a different store at the time so all of the managers kind of knew what was happening they yeah. were very the mall was very transparent about it with yeah. us and it was just oh a big head shake the whole time well janelle shall we hear a word uh, from our sponsors let our little sponsy poo poos sponsies <laughs> Have you ever wondered about the story behind why a monument in Fort St. John was built? Or who started the first hockey tournament in Northern BC? Check out Voices of the Peace, a podcast from NJXCity.ca that answers these questions and more. Host Ted Sloan sits down with the people who make this city and region a great place to live. Go to NJXCity.ca slash voices to find out more. Check out all of our podcasts. Go to NJXCity.ca slash podcasts. Okay, I'll let you take it off. I'll let you... I'll let you take us around the bend. Around the bend to Spooky Corner. I'm gonna take a bend around my butt to Spooky Corner. Scare your butts off. I'm gonna scare you. Um, I actually, I'm really excited. I wasn't uh, expecting to be able to talk about this today, but okay. I had an experience today. What? I had the, a Have you told me experience. about this yet? No, I have Good. not. I was keeping it Good. until right now. Right. So I have mentioned previously, I went to pick up a ring today at yes. Michael's So. Yeah. Um, it was, here, I'll get handed over to Is you. Is it haunted? Oh my God, it's beautiful. Thank you. So my grandma gave that to me last summer um, oh. and she ended up passing away this year on New Year's oh. um, and she wasn't able to fly out and be with us for our wedding or anything okay. like that. It was really sad. Um, but my engagement ring is a sapphire and this ring is a sapphire. And my mom gave her this when my mom got married. So mm. when I saw her, she was like, you need to have this ring that your mom gave me when she got married. Now that you're getting married, your ring's a sapphire. This ring's a sapphire. Here it goes. Um, it was very tiny. I have the fattest fingers. I'm sure as you could see how big that ring was when you just you got beautiful it fingers. Out. Um, so I needed to have it resized and I had it resized with my mom's wedding band. So like the bottom half you can kind of see is like a different ring, like the metal oh. of it has like a different pack. So that's half my mom's wedding ring, half my grandma's ring oh, now. Cool. So I have my two favorite ladies in one ring. Speaking um, of rings, um, did I tell you that, uh, did I already tell you that I lost my wedding you ring? You did, yeah. yeah. The music festival. Okay. <sighs> Carry on. So rude. So you so got this I got this ring. Bling. I've had it just waiting at Michael So's jewelry for a while to pick up. I okay. just kept forgetting about it. Unfortunately, it was like, can't afford it, couldn't afford it, forgot. Yeah. Finally got to go in. Is it haunted? So I go home, I get into the car and please I put be, it on and the waft of the smell of my grandma hit oh my me God. and I was just like bawling in the mall parking lot. Like oh. I have not smelt her in over a year. Like she lives in New oh. Brunswick. She lived in New Brunswick and it was just so amazing. Was it in the same box? Like 
your grandma's no, box? No, it was just oh, so, like in a little bag. Like okay, I, it so just, it just okay, so it like, was yeah, real. Yeah, there spooks. was nothing. Okay. Like I had nothing of hers with me, other than yes. the fact that this ring. And he's cleaned it, and of course molded yeah. it into something else. Like, and yeah, I like took it out of the little bag, put it on, and it was just like the smell of yeah. her. Scent is one of like the strongest mm -hmm. like memories too. Yeah, like it's so ingrained in us. That's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it was really cool. It was very, very, very cool. I'm wearing my a ring my mother. Someone gave my mother, and she doesn't know who. Nice, and now, beautiful little emerald. Yeah, and so now it's mine. <laughs> so if, if you gave my mother a ring on Vancouver Island, maybe 50 years ago, <laughs> I'm wearing it now. Just so you know, <laughs> it's gorgeous. I remember. I think Thank I remember you. complimenting you uh, last time I saw you, and you were wearing it. I was like, "Good, that's a good ring." Let's keep complimenting each other. Well, let's dive further into the spook. Let's do so it. So for this week's spooky corner, I'm actually going not too far from here. We're going to go up to the Northwest Territories. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, this is the haunting tale of the Nahini Valley. Have mm. you ever heard of this location no, before? No, never. Okay, amazing. So the Nahini Valley is only accessible by boat, flight, or foot. It's extremely remote. Like you okay. can hike in. Like I said, you can fly in or you can be brought in via boat. But you can't only, drive. No, there's no road in or out. And it's not an island, but it's no, just that it's just very remote. remote. Okay. And um, there is also like, I think the closest city in the Yukon is like 500 kilometers away. Oh, and then Fort Simpson in Northwest Territories is about, I want to say like 400 kilometers away. Like very remote she in the middle of but nowhere yes not a ton of stuff over there um and over the last hundred years multiple people have gone missing in this valley and never returned under very mysterious circumstances mm, tell me more and it's because it's so untouched due to how remote it is um there's just not a lot of experience in like going out and doing those research rescue okay-esque things in that area and of course a lot of the things that were happening there were much more during like the klondike gold rush um and that type of idea so they have amazing waterfalls twice the size of niagara Damn. insane amount of valleys like it's mountainous it's gorgeous i even read one thing that said that it's the grand canyon of the north okay. but and fort st john is so... the armpit of the north <laughs> so here we it's go it's just so pristine as well because no one goes there it's not over trampled it's just one of the last wild places on earth honestly now, and all it's just stunning. 500 listeners are going to go there now they're like well we're backpacking now. to the nahini valley let's go actually now i want to go well i i don't know yet i'll make i'll hold my decision till the end fair enough okay so um john mcclode a fur trader from the hudson bay company was the first european ever recorded to venture into the nahani valley in 1823 but of course the lands were home for tens of thousands of years previous to that for our very own Dene people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which is really exciting. And Dene tradition shares that the valley was inhabited also by another tribe called the Naha. Okay. Um, and they lived up in the mountains of the valley. Members of the Naha would raid the lowland settlements of the Dene, killing along the way, and even theorized that they had cannibalistic um, tendencies in their nature, their raids, their nastiness. Mm -hmm. They became the main enemies of the surrounding Dene people, um, and they were very well known for stealing children and young girls who stayed uh. who strayed too far from home at dusk um, some girls did escape and were able to tell the people of how the naha people smelt evil and ate their own so do you think this is one of those situations where uh especially back in the day they have to get their 
kids, it's so dangerous to like wander out in the wilderness. So yes. they have to keep their kids close. So they tell them these tales of these, if you're out past this mm-hmm. time, this is this what's going to come happen. get you. Do you think that or are you going to? It could very much so be. Yeah. Okay. It, like I, cause the next thing is very interesting when it comes to the, um, the Naha people, they suddenly just disappeared. Mm. All of their raids ceased. Um, and people speculated that they were kind of just dissipated either from like the evil forces within the Nahini Valley. And then I read other things. Some people don't believe that they left at all and that they still live in the Nahini Valley and are just a hidden tribe within Canada that has remained secluded and live within. Oh my gosh. It would be surprise. Still here. there's, There's over like 250 different cave systems within the Nahini Valley. We don't know what's living in there. Like they could have never left. But the weird thing about the Naha people, um, even though they did just disappear and leave pretty much seeming to vanish, Mm -hmm. the Dene people are really the only sense that they ever existed. There is no tactical Mm. proof that the Naha existed. Um, There just is no trace other than the word of mouth histories of the Dene people. And that the name, the valley, the Nahini Valley, is either a translation in um, Dene that says the river of the land of the Naha people, mm-hmm. or I read another oh. translation that read that it translates to the river of giants. I wonder if the, I like, that's beautiful. They, they always, the indigenous always have the best names. No, it's just beautiful. I know. But also so important for, you know, keeping up with the traditions and the, the language so that we can actually have these stories because that's like the only way we even know about this right now. Exactly. So like the the people who have shared the stories of the Naha are really what's kept their belief and their history alive because there is no, <laughs> they just ceased to exist basically okay. outside of the idea of stories and yes. just tales of everything. Um, a lot of the Dene people as well just did not go into the valley. They deemed okay. it to be very evil. There's evil spirits there. Um, and the ones that would venture into the valley for food and goods would return, if they did, of stories of the evil spirits that could make a man disappear. Well, if the story is about disappearing, that's a on trend too then. If yes. the that tribe themselves just disappeared. Just vanished. Exactly. They're like, and we'll take you, and we'll take you, and we'll take yeah. you. Well, Bring me your children. Now. You're mine now. And the little girls, please. Book. Yeah. <laughs> Book. Book. <laughs> Love Hocus Pocus. Me too. So fast forwarding into the early 20th century, like I said, we're in the Klondike Gold Rush. Lots of people are in the Alaskan area, in the Northwest Territories, in the Yukon, all this good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were a couple prospectors that thought that maybe the Nahini Valley would be a good alternative place to try. So in 1906, two brothers and possibly one other man, um, the brothers named Willie and Frank McLeod, and the other man I only found named as Weir. His Um, name's Willie. (laughs) Willie. Willie and Frank. Frank and Baines. They are the best. (laughs) They canoed up the river to the Nahini Valley, and they were never seen again. In 1908, two years later, their skeletal remains were found at a camp, and they were both headless. Oh, they didn't drown? No, no. And it also seemed that they had been asleep during the attack. And one of the skeletal remains was in a position as if to be reaching for the gun that was still located next to their bodies. But so the something just gone. The heads were just gone. <gasps> no, the heads were gone. Yeah. Like they never found the skulls. They were gone. Uh, not they animal just found, then. Like, no. it's, like they just found the skeletons. So some people have theorized that there was a third person with them. 
They found yeah. gold and that third person killed the brothers and Smart. decapitated their heads and burnt down their camp. They're like, but, you can't get dental records now, motherfucker. Yeah, And this right? is 1906. So yeah, eight was when they were found, six when they went missing. Yes. So then there's no dental records then. No, 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 Like no. that's not, there's going to be no DNA, no nothing. Like they just found their bodies. I don't even know about fingerprinting. I don't, I don't. Maybe pretty soon. I think like in yeah. the, I think by like the There's 1920s, no people were fingerprinting pretty heavily. But yeah, like just the 20s. Good yeah, times. 20s. Good days. Not now. 20s were in. Anyway. <laughs> so they, uh, like I was mentioning, it's not identified which brother was reaching for the nearby gun, um, but it's definitely indicative that they were trying to protect themselves in their last moments. Okay. Um, this created, like I said, all sorts of speculation also other than the third possible party but they speculated possibly that an indigenous tribe left their bodies there as a warning they always want to try and blame the indigenous of course they're like white well, people they want to it was it was the indigenous folk they killed them Ugh. um and of course this this theory just grew even wilder in the next coming years so i'm gonna just fire off some fast uh little spooky things that keep happening down here do it so 1917 the body of a swiss prospector martin jorgensen was found and he was also decapitated <gasps> his butt his head was never located and his cabin was also burnt to the ground he had previously written home though that he had struck gold in the area before oh. his remains were found so there is definitely larger speculation that they knew that he found gold but I'm also starting to think whatever is there that is continuously doing this doesn't want its gold to be found in general, mm. whether it's a spirit or people. Mm. So that's kind of like what I'm leaning more towards. I'm wondering, who, who's doing this head thing? Like, come on. Right. What, is this a common thing? I want to know. I want to Google this. Yeah. If that's a common way that people used to get away with, say, murder back in the Just day. Just cutting the head off? Yeah. Or, okay, well, I, I don't know. Tell me more. Tell me more. So another instance in 1926, a woman named Annie LaFleur was in the valley near Flat River, but mm -hmm. was, had reportedly gone missing while trapping. Um, and months later, a local indigenous man that I've only been able to find online as named Big Charlie nice. claimed to have seen a naked white woman scaling the side of a mountain in the area that she went missing. So that was very, a little spooky, interesting. And then following that in 1927, the body of a man known as Yukon Fisher, who was wanted by the RCMP for years previously, was also found deceased very close to where the McLeod brothers were found. Oh, did he have a head? He had a head. Yeah, okay. But his death didn't seem natural and they okay. don't know how they were, it was undetermined. It was labeled completely undetermined. Okay. 1931 Spooks. phil powers was found burnt to death along with his cabin deemed accidental speculated murder though he did have a head from everything i saw but i also read that his remains were so badly charred that they only were able to identify that there was a human there because of some bone fragments okay. no teeth fragments so there is a possibility his head was not there that... but he was just so badly burnt you can't tell okay in 1936 joe mulholland and Bill Epier both went missing and their cabin was found burnt to the ground. Bodies okay, never people. found. I just, just, just toss imagine it, right? Yeah. And turn yeah. around. Like, I, just they know how to do it, I they guess, really in the 30s. Do. 1945 was the last known event of this. Um, and unfortunately, the actual name of this person has been lost. I, I read a CBC article about it, a couple other ones, but all we know is that he was from Ontario and he mm. was a minor. And he was found deceased in his camp next to his tent, which was burnt. He was in his sleeping bag, and he was also decapitated. Jesus. 
That's a lot. That's a, so it is not easy to decapitate no. somebody. So this is how the valley has gotten its other name, okay. the Valley of Headless Men. Oh, that that's on brand. Exactly. That is it. it. That definitely gave it that vibe. The McLeod brothers were the first two to be found. Definitely set the bar yeah. for it. But the fact that multiple other bodies have been found burnt and beheaded, something fishy is going on in that valley. And it's over a quite a wide range of time. So like starting mm -hmm. like what, like 1906 to 1945. Mm -hmm. If that were to be a serial killer doing that, uh, I mean, I guess, guess a they, long, that's a long time. That's a long though. time. You'd have to be, have started so young. Because yeah. the older you get, the harder it has to be. The life expectancy probably wasn't that great no. living up there. No. No no health care. No health care. No health care in 1906. There was no health care back in my day. Yeah. They wouldn't have access to any resources. No. And they're this, so isolated. Exactly. This whole valley was just very suspicious is the best way to put it everyone kind of had a weird feeling around it yep. and in the 70s that mystery actually continued with an article claiming that the nahani valley had a tropical-esque feel hmm. in certain areas of the valley the snow never falls the ice never sets and it's always green and warm okay. um, normal science brings us to understand that it's a natural sulfuric hot springs okay so there's a spot within the nahini valley somewhere where there is a natural hot springs that and it remains extremely warm there all year long but it creates ah. this very eerie fog that sits over that one area yeah so you could be in like a tundra-esque vibe and walk into this tropic space within oh, the valley cool. so and so that's why the snow doesn't it, the snow would melt because like it's the temperature too hot the, yeah. the ground's too warm exactly okay so okay. this makes sense then another thing too that really brought the ominous vibe to that area is the very strong smell of sulfur like Demons. just extreme and that's the thing sulfur is always kind of Demons. linked to deep to the demonic to because of the volcanism of like the earth being in the core hell yeah okay i've been watching this new show on i think netflix living for the dead oh it's got um oh it's 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 awesome they're they're ghost hunting they're paranormal hunting they've got three psychics and then a researcher and it's a queer team so i'm loving that um you should watch it and that they were talking about that with the sulfur smell they said was linked to demonic um entities yes so that also kind of just adds another layer of spook knowing that there's an entire hotbed of kind of what could be maybe even like an energy source for those types of creatures so i mean but we'll just disregard the fact that it's a uh, not the hot spring sulfur smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, one stat that I found said that since the 1908 discovery of the McLeod brothers, there have been at least 44 missing or deceased people to have been taken by the Nahaney Valley. Jesus. And Parks Canada says since the valley became a national park in 1972, there have only been about five deaths within the valley. Okay, five deaths, but then... That does not include the, the amount the missing. of missing. Yeah, they didn't have a, a recent stat released for, for missing people. There is a more recent uh, little spicy item that's happened in this area over the last... In this, in this uh, last little era, in 2005, actually. Okay, not long um, ago. No, not at all. Mere so, 12 years ago. Right? I can't do math. I know, I feel like it's more than 12. It's almost 20. Uh, it's yeah. almost 20 because it's literally yeah it's literally almost 19 years ago 19 years ago um two men frederick 
Hard City and David Horsey, both 60, were found deceased in the area of a cabin 125 kilometers north of Fort Simpson, which, as I mentioned previously, is very close to the Nahini Valley. The men went up to a friend's cabin, and that friend was Rod Gunderson. Mm, Hi, Rod. Hi, Rod. So on June 12th, Gunderson sees them at the cabin, and he leaves after they settle in. Okay. June 16th, Gunderson returns to the cabin and finds it locked, smoke coming from the chimney, evidence of small fires being outside, guns inside the cabin, more than enough firewood and food. Okay. No men. Oh, oh, okay. They're gone. So they're gone, but he's, it looks like people have been living there. Yeah, it they're, looked like they just, like, well, just recently left. Look, the smoke's still coming from yeah, the chimney. Yeah, and the chimney, and it was locked from the inside. The cabin was all locked oh, up. Oh, like it was boarded up. Like it had it. Like he had the key, of course, to also get in. Oh, but, like okay. the cabin was locked. Oh, I, and I keep on forgetting this is two thousand five. I'm I'm thinking like nineteen oh five. Ah, yes. I, I'm thinking back in the day. Okay, hundred percent. So there. Okay, two thousand five cabin. I'm visualizing. Continue. So June eighteenth, the RCMP became involved in a missing persons investigation for the two men. On June twenty third, the family took over most of the search as the RCMP decided to fall back due to basically no evidence of anything. Mm -hmm. And then June 27th, David Horsey's body was found 3.7 kilometers from the cabin in a bush. That brought on July 5th, dogs from the RCMP within Grand Prairie were brought up to help further the investigation. And on July 8th, Frederick Hard City was found 20 kilometers away from the cabin floating in the North Nahini River. This is weird. Yes. 3.7 and the other one 20, Mm -hmm. one in a river, one not. Yeah. Like they ran... And they ran separate directions. It seems so. So um, Joseph Horsey, David's stepbrother, was involved in the original search and said that he saw bullet shots all over the place <sighs> and a gunshot through the floor of the cabin. Um, he's quoted as saying, the picture is bigger than just two guys. Um, reading from a CBC article, he continues, there was something else that happened before that all came down. Mm-hmm. In 2018, Joseph returned to the RCMP asking for the case to be reopened, and the RCMP stated they would not be investigating further as the evidence was contaminated by the search party. Uh, uh, I don't know that why sounds that's silly. a great reason why that not sounds, to... Yeah, doesn't sound the best to me. Uh, also, how... Take care of your evidence, people. Yeah. Quarantine off a site. If you have two missing people, if you find two bodies, and I mean, I guess like the search would have happened obviously before they found the bodies, so they hadn't known anything, but I, I, I don't know. One thing I read too said that the gun shells didn't seem out of place because it was a hunting cabin. Like yeah, they okay. could have been, like a lot of the shells outside could have just been target practice. Yeah, but for me, true. it's the shot into the floor. Why yeah. did they shoot inside the cabin? And like what was under the cabin? is my question did they hear something and and have to shoot into the floor or what so david's sister was also quoting as saying it's very unsettling there's no closure how could two men in one week both die one in the river one in the bush david's death was ruled as hypothermia and frederick's death was ruled as a drowning yeah but they wouldn't that doesn't make any sense no because if you're only 3.7 kilometers away you would just go back and i'm sorry hypo like i understand it gets cold but hypothermia in june or july yeah if it's if it's in june or july that doesn't really make sense to me i know that it's colder up here in the north i know at night it can get horrifically chilly but i really really hot but it's also so hot i really don't see how hypothermia could have been that realistic of a cause of death 
it, it, and why would you, there has to be something else that goes along with the hypothermia. If like mm-hmm. you were incapable of getting back to the cabin. Yeah. He was only 3.7 kilometers from the cabin. Yeah. In the bush. So if he was, I don't know, I'm thinking they're running from something. Yeah. That's how I felt as well. So like literally what the heck, like just so negative in this area, so much loss. Um, other than the obvious revenge possibility killing for the gold and money and like other theories, um, I really want to break down a possible cryptid that lives in the Nahini Valley. So this is... This is what you were doing till 4 a.m. last night? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Today, I mean? Yeah. 4 a.m. this morning? Yeah. I love it. You blow my mind. (laughs) So the Nahini creature is labeled as terrible wild men with red eyes, enormous height, resembling a gorilla sometimes with antlers or a skull and covered in hair. It also has the ability to rip trees from the earth with its bare hands. Okay, maybe this has something to do with why it's called the Valley of the Giants. That's what I was thinking as well. I really thought that that name was very interesting after I heard this description of the Nakini. So, um, Cursed Treasure of the Dead Man's Valley, published in June 1968, issue of the magazine Saga, maintained that the Nakini were hairy demons who stand as high as a Kodiak bear, are as swift as a bird in flight, and kill things that they can reach by cutting off their heads. Their skin is so tough that a bullet will not penetrate it, and cutting it with a knife is more difficult than cutting stone, end Mm. quote. What? Uh, pardon me? Have we solved the crime? Like, yeah. So another really interesting um, review, I guess, of the possible Nakini sightings was from an inspector for the Hudson Bay Company. Okay. And they described them as, I love how they, this old speaky here, trogodolites twice the size of humans and go about naked save for a coat of evil smelling hair. Mm. Um. I, I don't know if, if anybody delightful. is like me. I had to look up what a trogdolite is. I don't. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. Trogdolite. I wanted to say a... I'm not even saying it. Troglodytes. Troglodytes. I'm going to say a... um Like an ogre? That's a really good guess. It's like a hermit cave dwelling type oh, yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I think that that's pretty... That's a pretty good guess. So it's really interesting enough um, that that term matches the fact that the valley has over 250 cave systems. Yeah. Um, A really good place to hide and live. They also do give off the print of a Bigfoot, but they have ascending toes, one big toe and like a bunch of smaller toes. And they also usually have very long nails with their imprint as if a claw was there. Um, they're also known to throw rocks and sticks at the tents or cabins to antagonize their potential victims or whistle out a horrific human-like laugh to entice you to come outside. Some things that I read believe that na- the Nakini isn't specifically set the, to the Nahini Valley, okay. but it is its main stomping grounds or should I say like breeding grounds. Ooh, maybe um, they come back every year to breed. Right? And I read a passage from mysteriesofcanada.com that some believe the Nakini are the Naha people that evolved into evil humanoid-like creatures from cannibalism, driven mad to take the lives of those that they fed off on the land. I think that's extremely interesting because if the Naha people just poof disappeared one day, what if it's because of if they were cannibals and there are these evil spirits in the valley, they were drawn in and sucked into this horrific thing and became these like creatures that had 
in superhuman strength and insane insane agility and they're known to rip heads and it just it all you know what it's lining up for me it really is um i did also see some writings of speculation of another creature that it could have been called um the wahila the wahila is a large humanoid wolf-like creature who rips the head off of victims and is an evil spirit though rather than a true wolf they can come and go as they please they can peer as they want um and has the wolf head but usually it's body of a bear and very white fur Okay, some some little polar bear action. Mm-hmm. The um the some people believe that the Wahilis are actually surviving members of a large carnivore called the Amphicinoids. Um, they had characteristics of both dogs and bears. Um, they have they are known to have died out about five million years ago. But what if a relic of that population of them survived within the Nihini Valley? Yeah, untouched. Yeah, it's known um to be in their range, and the area is perfect shelter for a small population. And in those caves, again, those caves. Cave-dwelling, spooky little Mm. bitches. There's also report sightings of spirit lights seen all around the area, just glowing balls throughout the valley, even though there's no light pollution or anything within that vicinity, like I said, for up to 500 kilometers in surrounding. Yeah, are we thinking northern lights? That's what I was thinking. Um, I did read one thing, though, on one really fun forum that said, which has given to rise the speculation there might even be a ufo base within the nahini valley just some of the wilder theories um that it has a entrance to the hollow earth where an entire community of hidden people underneath would live so that's just like a fun little other speaking of ufos i found when i was searching for annie and joseph babchok and i was chatting with a local by some church that um yeah i was talking to to a strange man i walked up to a strange man i asked him where i could find these bodies and he ended up telling me a story that he was bushwhacking up north and met a woman i guess in the bushes and they started talking i guess about aliens um and she gave him his number or she gave her his her you know you get it yeah and later on he tries to call and he gets like NASA or something. This is what he, this is me. I've got yeah. his number in my phone. Yeah. But he says he gets like NASA and he's like asking for this woman. And they say, I'm sorry, she's passed away, but here's her daughter's phone number. Also, I don't think you're just, just ring up NASA. Up. Hey, NASA, can I have this person's And they're kid's like, she's dead. Number? Here's the kid's number. Yeah. But, um, so NASA. <laughs> but it's like NASA these days. Jesus. But, uh, the Cecil Lake guy, I'm not going to not believe him because i'm me and i will believe everything i hear beautiful that was amazing thank you so much Janelle, for sharing that yeah it is definitely a crazy tale i'm actually very interested in going to the nahini valley park reserve i think it's honestly like so beautiful like i said it would have to be like a huge hike in hike out situation there are um if anybody is interested in going to the national park reserve a lot of parts of the valley are not open to the public okay um a lot of them are sacred territory and not open for visitation or anything like that well i think we should do a little tour Mm. one day that would be a place i would go to for sure yeah oh just stunning there is actually from what i saw online as late of 2019 there is a company doing a documentary and it's called the secrets of the nahini valley which i thought was so fitting i was like the secrets of the north secrets of nahini valley okay and that was in 2019 2019 they started production there is a trailer 
Okay, but, but it's not it's out yet. It's not out yet. So I'm going to keep us updated on that. When it comes out, I think it'd be really beautiful because they have interviews with so many local elders. They have interviews cool. with people who were prospectors there in the 40s and 50s. Lots of really cool firsthand tales. Um, but yeah, you just, I think you have to pay a specific amount of like a park fee to get there. And yeah. there needs to be certain permits to be able to go to the designated areas that people are allowed to go and camp. Because <sighs> I think that the parts that are not restricted our crown land or you just or no it would be just a parks reserve i guess you gotta pay yeah okay and that's fine yeah they want to keep it they want to keep it beautiful and preserved and it is so remote that not a lot of people are gonna flock up there to see it so dude we're north and when i think of how long it takes to even drive from fort st john to like what white horse or like to the territories it's like 25 hours or something yeah i don't that could be a lie i don't know because i've never done it but yeah i've never done it's it far either. i want to know far how these. far fort st john is from the nahini valley yeah google it right now from the Stuff. nahini national park reserve it is a 15 hour drive it's oh. really not that bad oh only 15 hours actually that's really that's doable. like driving to vancouver yeah that is doable that's you extremely... could do that in a day oh yeah with two people especially I never drive. I'm oh, <laughs> well, such passenger an asshole. Princess. Yes, I am. <laughs> I just sit back. I'm like, because I've got sore back problems. And I just like recline that chair a little bit. Have a little fucking nap at 5 a.m. Wake up at 7 a.m. So Might um, do a little service work, you know, for thanking yeah. him for the drive. Thank you so much for the drive and yeah. your hard work you're putting in. Yeah, exactly. That. I put a little hard work in and Bob's your uncle. Wow. Must be nice. It is nice for him too. Uh, well, let's plug our social, speaking of plugs, nah. um, nah. <laughs> but plugs, social media plug, uh, where can our listeners find you, Janelle? You can find me on Facebook at Janelle Lapushinsky or on Instagram at Princess Lizard. The A is with a four. I do love that. And you guys can find me at E to the underscore G on Instagram. Um, actually, you know what? I am taking a social media break, so you can't really find me there right now but you can find well when i say break i mean just my one that account our account is still up and oh, going yeah <laughs> so you can find us at secrets of the north underscore podcast on instagram so thank you fun. everyone for listening thank you so much have a good day have a great long weekend yes i hope everybody enjoyed their long weekend i hope you're having the best day off and if you're having to work today i'm sorry i'm very sorry too and remember those veterans Love yeah. you. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.